So you ready? Ready. On this beautiful, cool morning, there's no better place to be, amen? That's right. That is right. Well, we started last week talking about how to be a good, what? (laughs) How that often we think what being a good Christian is. If somebody's a good Christian, that's somebody that they, they pray, they might fast at the beginning of the year with the rest of the church. They might, um, well, they, they might read their Bible. They probably go to church. That, that being a good Christian is like, if I check all the boxes, that means I'm a good Christian. And what I said last week was, and I kind of blew that idea out of the water because um, I, I am convinced um, that what we need to do in 2024, I hope you got your notes, write this down again, we're going to stop what? We're going to stop trying to be a what? Oh, come on, some of you aren't convinced. You're like, that sounds a little sacrilegious, No. Because I don't find anywhere in the scripture that it says, be a good Christian. He challenges us to be a follower of Jesus. That's way different. That's way different. So we're, I'm I'm saying, let's stop. Look at somebody and say, stop checking boxes. Okay, some of you aren't playing this morning. I know it's cold. All right. Say, stop checking boxes. Because that's not what it's about. And we said that, that the reason we need to quit just, okay, I checked the pray box. I checked the fasting box. I checked the, I read my Bible today box. I checked the, I'm going to church box. That we're going to stop checking boxes because, come on, what? Motives matter. Motives matter. The why I do it sometimes even means more than what I do. Come on. The reason I do it carries a lot more weight than the what I do so often. Motives matter. Motives matter. The the why you pray, the why I pray matters. Come on. The why I fast, the why I read my Bible, the why I go to church, really, in a lot of ways, the why dictates what it produces, or we could say it this way, what I get out of it. What, what good is it to me, you know, and you're like, well, that's kind of selfish. No, it's not. I mean, it, it says that Jesus endured the cross for the prize set before him. Come on. He looked ahead. What's this going to produce? What's it going to be? And if you have any question about what the prize was he saw, it was your face. That was the prize. That was the treasure. That was the why he endured the cross. So motives matter. What, what if, what if we change, and this was my challenge 
last week is what if we shift our motives from being box checkers? Okay, got to read my Bible today. Got to pray. Gotta, what if our motivation becomes simply Jesus? I don't know. That, that new song, <laughs> Give Me Jesus, that's what it's all about. Just give me Jesus. You, you can have all this other stuff. I mean, the scripture says, and I love that they tag those two songs, Give Me Jesus and It Is Well, because it's very biblical that if we seek first Him and His kingdom, the scripture says all the other stuff will be added. Come on. It'll be well. He'll take care of the other. Just, just give me Jesus. Making it simply Jesus. What if we pray simply to get to know the lover of our souls? What if that's the reason we pray? It's not just to ask and to give me and bless the food and say the same thing over and over and over. You know, what, what if... What if our motivation for prayer is, is literally to have a conversation with somebody that I love? What if the reason that I fast and pray is to make space in my world to hang out with somebody that I love and somebody that loves me more than I can imagine? What if that's the reason? Not to be a good Christian, that's not our motive, but our motive is just simply Jesus. Just to know Him. Just to experience who He is. What if that is our motivation? What if that's the why? What, what if it is? I talked with somebody this week, and, and they were saying that They've been going on, on dates with Jesus and, and, and drive around. And as they're driving around, the two of them, talking about stuff, just talking. And, and they said that Jesus would stop them and say, see that waterfall? I made that for you. See that sunset? I painted that today just for you. That will change the way you talk to Jesus. Come on, y'all. To know him personally. To talk with him as somebody that you love and you want to spend the rest of your life and eternity with, it changes the way you talk. It changes the way you pray. It really, really does. It's a relationship. Right? Do you really believe that? It's a relationship. It's not a religious thing of us trying to be good enough to get to him. He already did the work. Come on. He already did the work. It's simply to know him. 
simply to know him. So what if we stop checking the prayer box and the fasting box just to check a box, but we're going to check it. We're not going to check it. We're going to just live and experience him in conversation, talking to him, making space for him. What if, what if we actually stop checking that I got to read my Bible box? Nobody said amen. Let's just all stop checking the, I got to read my Bible box. I, I actually, I, I, do a, I do several journals and, and I use the version. I highly encourage, love version. And, and, but one of the things I hate is that if I'm not careful, it becomes about checking the box that I read that today. Come on, y'all. I, I just got, I got to read that today. And then it even makes me, I, I hate this part of it. I love the app, love what it does. It's been so good for me. But then if you miss something, it talks about, well, you got here, you can do this to catch up. Let's stop that. Let's stop worrying about checking the boxes. Stop worrying about, oh, I'm behind in my Bible study. If it's purely about the relationship, you just pick up where you left off. Are y'all hearing me? It's not about checking the boxes. I got to get this done. What, what if, you may want to write this down, what if reading the scripture is simply getting to know the lover of your souls? What, what if that's your motivation? I'm going to read the scripture because I just want to know the one that loves me more. Come on. What if that's the reason we read? I just want to learn something else about this person that loves me so much. I just want to, I just want to know more about the lover of my soul. I, I know we've said this a lot lately, but it's a it's it's one of those I'm, it's one of those mountains I'm willing to die on, you know, is that the entire Old and New Testament, the entire Bible, is the testament of Jesus. It's all the testament of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I've heard people say, well, you know what? This year, I'm only reading in the New Testament because I really want to get to know who Jesus is in the New Testament. And I'm like, that's great. Do it. But if that's all you read, you're missing some big chunks of who Jesus is. Are y'all hearing me? You're missing some big stuff about who Jesus is is if that's all that I'm I'm reading um and it and the reason I can confidently say that and and, and we're going to dig this out you can throw rocks at the end don't throw rocks in the middle all right is that is that fair enough oh come on are y'all with me I'll open a door it'll cool down in here real quick all right all right all right, so you got to amen and stuff, so I know you're at least amen or oh me or I don't know about that, all right, one of those, okay, all right, 
that way I know you're still, you're still here, all right? Um, <laughs> the reason I can confidently say that, that it is the testament of Jesus, there's kind of the first testament and the second testament uh, of Jesus. It, it, it really is. And the reason I can say that is, write, write this down, Jesus is the Word. Do y'all agree with that? He is the word. The scripture is very, very clear. John, it's so common scripture. In the beginning was the word. word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Okay? And he was a way. The word was a he. The word was a person. He said, the word was with God from the beginning. And it wasn't just words on a page. He, everybody say he. He He was with God in the beginning. And you go down just a few verses and it says, the word became what? That's Christmas, y'all. The word became flesh, and I love one translation says, he moved into the neighborhood. (laughs) The word became flesh and moved in. He made his dwelling with us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So who is the word? Who is the Word? That's right. Jesus is the Word. All right? Now, as you read the Scripture, there's two different words that are used to describe the Word of God that is Jesus. Okay? I I hope I said that. Now, I am going to simplify this. And I know there's so much more, and we're going to dig it out later, but there's so much more to this than what I'm going to do this morning. I understand. I am dumbing down this definition in a big way, all right? But the two words that are used that describe the Word of God, um, which is who? Jesus. That's right. Yeah, that that it's it's actually the two words. One of those words is logos. Logos, which is is in essence the written, and I love this. It's the written constant word. It's the written logos is the written constant word. This is the logos. Word, Come on, y'all. This is the written, constant, infallible, no errors, no contradictions. You're like, yeah, but I think there are some. No, there's contradictions in our language. (laughs) Come on. There is no contradictions in this word. This word is a finished word. Amen? He said, don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It is logos. It is the written word of God. 
this is Jesus from front to back speaking the word of God. That'll change the way you read the First Testament, the Old Testament. When you think about it, that was Jesus talking to them. It was the word that became flesh. It was the, he was the word before he ever became flesh. So he was the word in the Old Testament, and he became flesh, and he was the word in the New Testament. Are y'all hearing me? All right, that's what the scripture teaches, all right, that he is the word, and he is the written word. Jesus was all up in writing this word. Come on. He was. He inspired those, spoke to those that would write the word. It is logos. It's the written word. The other word that's used in the scripture for the word of God is a word called rhema. Rhema word. Uh, R-H-E-M-A, I believe it is, right? Rhema. And so, so the rhema word is the instant, personally to me, word. All right? It's like, okay... God said to me, are y'all hearing me? God spoke to me personally, and, and, and God, I, I feel like God said, all right, that is the rhema, it is, it is on the spot, what I need, anybody, yeah, some of you are looking at me really confused, all right, so, so have you ever been in a situation that you walked away after and went, thank you, Lord, for that. Because I knew what to say. I knew what to do. It was, it was God speaking to me personally for that situation. Right? Does that make sense? That's rhema. It is a revealed personally spoken to me kind of word. All right. So Logos is what? Everybody say written. written. All right. It is constant, doesn't change. Rhema is personal. It's speaking to me. I don't know if you realize it, but God still speaks. He still speaks. He really, really does. And I believe... And we could argue about this, and we'll find out in heaven we're both wrong. Okay? But I believe that both the written word and the rhema word, the logos and the rhema, are both Jesus. They're both Jesus. Now, now obviously, he uses the Holy Spirit in us. Okay? I'm not discounting that at all. All right? Now... With that basic understanding, I want you to think about it like this. Because our point today is we want to start seeing the scripture differently. Maybe than what we have before. Bring some new, fresh life to it. So, so I want you to think about this. 
the more this on your notes, the more I read the written or Logos word, the more the personal word can be spoken to me. I'm going to say that again because I think this is critically important and this will keep you out of error, out of problems, out of a distorted view of who God is. Because the more I read the Logos, the written word, the more I read this, the more the personal, the rhema word can be spoken to me. All right? I am feeling beat down at work. I screwed it up. I'm a loser. The enemy is telling me I'm a loser. But because I read the written word, the Spirit of God comes to me and says, No, you are more than a conqueror. That's Rhema for that moment. Are y'all hearing me? That is like God spoke, reminded me, and I am convinced that so often we don't hear God's voice. And we're going to talk about this in our next series. We're going to do a whole series on hearing God's voice, and I'm really excited about that. But, but I, I believe that, that we must be in the Word, not to check a box, but because we want to know the author of the book. Because we want to know him. And the more I know him, the more opportunity he uses the written word to speak to me personally. All right? Give me what I need when I need it. Are y'all with me so far? All right. All right. So, um, I want you to write this down. I'm going to run through this. We can only know for sure it is Jesus' personal word spoken to us by knowing the written word because the two will align. Amen. I know that's long, but get that. Get that. Why do I need to be in the word? Why do I need to have the word in my heart? You know, why? Because I am convinced that we can only know for sure that what we're hearing, the only way we can know for sure, what I'm hearing that I think is God, that I think is Jesus, that the only way we can know that it is his rhema or his personal word to me is that if I already know the written word, because the two of those will always line up. Okay? You come to me and say, I feel like God said that in my situation, it's okay for my fiance and I to have sex to see if we're compatible before we get married. It's okay, God and I had a conversation, and it's okay that I don't forgive them. God and I had this conversation, and he told me that serving and giving is kind of up to me if I want to or not. I don't want to cuss, but I would just say no. 
No. I promise you what you heard was not Rhema. It was not the personal word of God spoken to you. And the reason I can say that confidently is that it does not line up with his word, with the written word. The written word and the spoken word absolutely must walk in harmony together. Are y'all hearing me? Or it wasn't him, I don't care what you feel. You guys know how I think about feelings. Feelings will lie to you. Come on. We all got payment books to prove it. Your feelings, oh, this is the best deal ever. Right? <laughs> I get it. I get it. All right? So, the more then, then because of that, I, I, I am, man, I've got so much I've got to get through. Um, let's write, write this down. The more written word I have in me, the more opportunity Jesus has to make it personal. Does that make sense? I need an arsenal of the word of God in me. I need a library of the word of God in me. Because y'all know there are some times that, you know... <laughs> um, you are more than a conqueror doesn't fit. Right? You know, I, I, I mean, there are times that what I'm dealing with, that doesn't fit. Yeah, you're more than a conqueror. Yeah, but I just need a hug right now. Come on, y'all. Right? Right? I, I, I mean, it, it doesn't. So the more written word I have, the more opportunity Jesus has to make it what? That's right. That's right. The more logos, the more written word I have, the more I believe, the more you get into the word, the more you're going to hear Jesus talk to you personally. And it will always line up. It will always line up. Um, and, and I believe if we look at reading the Word of God, like our motive for reading the Word of God is not like reading a school book so we can take, take a test. Because how many of you know you won't remember it if that's your motive? I'm just reading so that I can pass the good Christian test. You know, that, that doesn't work. But if you're reading it because you know the author, it changes the way you read it. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. When I read the Old Testament, I said last year, I looked for Jesus all through the Old Testament. Blows my mind. I finally decided it's all the Old Testament. It's all Jesus. All of it. You're like, really? Yeah. Because, and I want to read this just exactly like I wrote it. When you read the Old Testament and it says, God said, or thus saith the Lord, or God spoke, read it with the idea that it was the lover of your soul 
orchestrating a plan to rescue you from somebody that wanted to kill you. What have you read the Old Testament like that? Like, I, I am reading it, and every time it says, God said, thus says the Lord, God spoke, it literally is the lover of my soul. Res he is orchestrating this plan to rescue me from somebody that wants to kill me. That literally makes the Bible the most, the biggest most elaborate, real-life, epic, love story slash movie of all times. Are y'all with me? It will blow your mind if you start looking at the scripture in that, in that way. That, that even those brutal parts of the Old Testament, the wars... The ungodly kings, the things that we scratch our head and go, what in the world? What if those things are really our true first lover, Jesus? What if all of those things are him fighting his way to redeem and rescue them and us? What if that's the point? You literally, if that's the point, then you literally are reading a narrative of the one who pursued you for 6,000 years to prove his love and to show you his plan for your life. You're like, what? Yeah. That's the word. The word that spoke all through the Old Testament. The word that became flesh. He was with God in the beginning. It's revealed. And here's what's so amazing about it. It's revealed to us in the written word. And it's made personal to us by his spoken word. That's what makes it alive. That's what makes it alive. Hmm. All right. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you? You're still scratching your head. I get it. All right. You're like, man, you're pushing the envelope a whole lot. I just, I just, I beg you to dig it out and, and I beg you to talk to Jesus about it. You know? And, and let me explain it like, like this. What if the only Scripture I know. Um, what if the only scripture I know is the story of the, the fiery furnace? What if that's the only story of the, of the Bible that I know anything about? What, what I know about it is... The king even said the fourth person, we threw three in, but the fourth person, and I don't know how he knew this, how he recognized, but he literally said the fourth person is like the son of God. It was Jesus, y'all. Right? Right. So, so the fourth person was like the son of God. So 
How does that work for me today? This is the beauty of the Word of God. If all I knew was that one story about Jesus, I could confidently say, okay, what I know about Jesus is that if I am worshiping him, standing up for him, when I get thrown in the fire, he's going to be there with me. How many of you know that's good news? When my family members, co-workers, culture around us is making fun of the God that I worship, if I continue to worship him, he's going to walk through that fire with me. That's good news. And that would be a great life. If that's all that I knew about him, it would be good, all right? But if that's all I know about him, I'm missing the Jesus that spoke to Moses and said, hey, I'm going to feed you every day. And I want you to go out in the morning and I want, to pick, I want you to pick up all the food you need for that one day. Don't take more than what you need. Just what you need for the one day. And then tomorrow I'm going to give you enough for the next day. So if, if, if that was the only scripture I knew was that one little piece, I can say what I know about Jesus, what I know about God is that if I put my faith and trust in him, he's going to feed me today what I need for today. We can confidently say that. If that's all I know about him, I can live my life and go, yes, <laughs> he's got me today. And I'm going to eat today because he said I, I, he said that he's going to provide what I need. Don't worry about taking too much. Just get what I need, and that'll be okay. He'll take care of me again tomorrow. All right? How many of you know that's a good, that's a good story? Right? That's a good one. But if that's all I know about him, how many of you would agree? You're missing a lot of him. You're missing a lot of who, who he is. What, what, if, um, what if all, the only story that you had, oh, I, I, I forgot to show you that one. That was the Moses one, all right? What if the only story you know about Jesus is the cross? What if the only part of the scripture that you have or that you would, could, could read is the cross? That Jesus died on a cross to pay for my sins. And that's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. How many of you would agree that's a great part to know? Right? Because knowing and committing, going, okay, I know that part of who Jesus is. That he, has, that he has died for my sins. And I'm going to put my faith and trust and I'm going to get to know the Jesus that died for my sins. 
that is great. It's the best. It really is. And it will carry you in this life and for eternity. But if that's all you know, you never get to know the Jesus that came out of the grave. Are y'all hearing me? You missed something. You missed something. I, I, I mean, think about it. That, that if that's all I know is that one little piece, I miss out on the Jesus that's a very present help in time of trouble. Right? I, I miss out on the Jesus that picks me up out of the water and carries me back to the boat because my faith was wavering. Are y'all hearing me? I, I can miss out. If that's all I know is the fiery furnace, I miss out on the Jesus that silences the mouths of the lions. I miss out on the Jesus that, that brings water in the middle of the desert. I miss out on the Jesus, the word of God spoken. I miss out on the one that confuses the enemy and they wind up killing each other. Are y'all hearing me? I miss out on that if all I know is the one little part. Hmm. If that's all I know, I miss out on the Jesus that is the good shepherd. I know the fiery furnace. I know he's going to stand up for me when I can't stand up for myself if I worship him. But I miss the good shepherd. I miss the one that says, hey, I'm standing at the door and knocking. And so many of us think, well, that's for lost people. No, he wrote that to the church in Revelation. He said, I stand at the door and knock. And all you got to do is open the door. And I want to come in and I want to eat with you. He's talking to believers. I just want to come in and abide, hang out with, live with. And if all I know is the fiery furnace, I'm going to miss that Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? Does that make sense to anybody besides me? And in essence, I can, if I am not careful, miss the Jesus if I don't know the written word, I can miss the Jesus that wants to give me life and life to the full right here, right now. Come on. I can miss it. I can miss it. Nathan and I were talking, and Nathan, I'm sorry I used up some of your time, uh, but, but Nathan and I were talking this last week, and as we were talking about this, oh, hello, as we were talking about this, uh, Nathan had a couple of great illustrations, and I'm like, Nathan, uh, can you share those as we wrap up the day? So, Nathan, take it away. All right. Yeah, we had a, a good talk about just what is the word and, and um, why, why we should read it, why it's a big deal to us. And, um, and two things really came to my mind. And the first, uh, these two images um, that I thought about, the first one was this idea of a tapestry. So a tapestry is like this, this piece of artwork of woven string, of, of woven uh, fabric sometimes, and, 
And on the front side of it, it paints this, this clear picture of what the artist is trying to convey. Um, it may be a scene or maybe just uh, an object or something like that. But on the back side, if you were to flip that tapestry over, there's like hundreds of strings interwoven, interconnected, laying on top of one another, this messy uh, weaving of strings so that on the back, it, it kind of looks like a mess. But, but you see these interconnected threads working together to form this clear image on the front side of it. And then also, um, a lot of tapestries, they have, um, again, like a scene or something like that, but there's all these little elements that, that come together to form the scene that the artist is trying to, to create. So think of like uh, the scene of Jesus' birth. You may have Mary and Joseph standing over the manger. You may have baby Jesus. Hopefully you have baby Jesus. Um, you, there may be a, a star in the top. Um, in one example that I looked at uh, on Google when I was Googling tapestries, there was an elephant in the background. And I don't know why. Maybe that's what they had in stables in that place. I, I don't know. But uh, there's all these different elements. And if you were to flip that tapestry around and look at the strings, there would be some strings that, that made up Jesus and made up the shepherds. And some of the same strings that, that made the star made Joseph and Mary. And so if you follow the threads, these individual little elements together create this scene, create this picture of a tapestry. And that is what the biblical story is. The biblical story is a bunch of small, short stories about characters we all know, about David, about Saul, about uh, Paul and his writings about Jesus and the Gospels, these little stories, but together they form this image of who Jesus is. And they form this image of who Jesus is revealing to us, who he is. And so an example of one of these threads in the biblical story is mountains. Like, what mountains? Mountains, they're super important throughout the biblical story. In fact, if you are reading uh, a chapter in the Bible and you come across a biblical character going up a mountain, it should be like a giant warning sign to you that something is about to go down, that God is about to do something big. All right, so here's, here's what I mean. Abraham, when God called him to sacrifice his son Isaac, where did he go? He walked up a mountain. When Moses was called by God to go and free uh, the Israelites from the Egyptian people, he led him to a burning bush on top of a mountain. And fun fact, this is my, my nerd moment, um, fun fact, that mountain that Moses was led to was called Mount Horeb. And it was the Egyptian name for this mountain that, that Moses was on. But when God freed the Israelites from the Egyptians, and they followed Moses out of Egypt, Moses led them back to this same mountain. And when they left it, they named it Mount Sinai, which is maybe the name of the mountain that we're more familiar with, because it's the place where Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments at. And what the biblical story is telling us, just by looking at this mountain, is that God's people came as Egyptians, but they left as God's chosen people. Mountains. 
Fast forward a little bit more, one of my favorite, uh, I think one of the coolest miracles in the Old Testament is when Elijah calls down fire from heaven and it consumes the soaking wet altar. And where did that happen on? Mount Carmel, a mountain. Further on, Jesus, when he, when he chooses to give his first sermon, he gives it on the sermon on the mount, sermon on a mountain. When Jesus reveals himself to his chosen disciples, Peter, James, and John, he takes them high up a mountain to reveal himself and show them his true glory. And when Jesus is led up a hill, which might be called a mini mountain, he's led up a hill called Golgotha to be crucified on the cross. Mountains are a big deal in the biblical story. It's a thread that is woven throughout the narrative. And any time we, we read about mountains, it's those bright, bright flashing warning signs that should get us to slow down and see what God is trying to reveal to us in the story. And so two things happen when we see this thread. One, we know that the, bibli- that the, the biblical character that we're reading about, that God is, is trying to get him to see something big. They knew mountains were a big deal. And if God was leading them up a mountain, they knew something was coming. And secondarily, as we read that, we should think, okay, God, what are you trying to show me about Lagos and Ramah? It's pretty easy to see the word mountain in our biblical story and know and remember that, oh, this is a connection to all the other times that mountains are mentioned. That's an easy thing to to read in Scripture, but... Maybe one of the harder biblical threads to recognize is not so much a word or a setting or something like that, but it's an idea or a concept. And Vic already kind of talked about this a little bit, but, but if we think about Jesus as our rescuer and our redeemer, we can see this all over Scripture, where there's moments where we have a need for a rescuer, or there's moments where Jesus just shows up and he frees his people from whatever they're going through. Right? I, think of, I think of Ruth, who, whose faith in God led her to meeting Boaz, a man who, who fed her and provided for her, who loved her and who redeemed her. And it's, and it's because God loved both of them so much that he showed up in that moment to rescue and redeem them. I think of David hiding out in a cave on top of a mountain who his life is on the line and he's looking to God to say, God, help me because I don't know what to do next. I think of Moses and the Israelites pressed up against the shores of the Red Sea and they have no idea what's going to happen because they see the Egyptian army marching down upon them and they're just thinking, I need help here. You know, whether it's the fiery furnace, whether it's the lion's den, whether it's the threshing floor, the stormy seas, the city walls, the cross, the pit, all these different places throughout scripture, this This thread of Jesus as our rescuer and redeemer is woven in and out of the biblical story. And when we begin to recognize these threads, we begin to realize that Jesus has been in a rescue attempt for our hearts from the beginning of the Bible. 
So that's image one. The second image that I think about that's helpful, and if the band wants to come on up. The second image that I think is helpful is an image of a well. Um, sorry, let me back up just a second. Um, when, we, when we start to recognize these narratives, right, we start to see all these different images. Just like in a tapestry, there's small little elements throughout, throughout all of it. We start to begin to, to recognize the pictures that we see. And as we put more and more together, we start realizing that the image we're actually looking at is the face of Jesus. That as all these threads form the smaller pictures that we, we know, the smaller stories that we know, they come together to form the picture of Jesus that he's trying to reveal in, in us as our rescuer and our redeemer. That second image is the image of a well. And um, in the case of the Bible, you know, it doesn't take very much digging to get the living water that is Scripture. But when we drill deeper, when we ask questions, when we study with our circle groups, when we listen to theological podcasts, maybe for you it's reading Greek and Hebrew. And if that's you, come talk to me because I'm jealous and I want to learn. But whatever that is, when we, when we dig this well that is the biblical story, that is God's story written to us. I love what, what Vic said when we were talking about this, that the deeper you go, the clearer the water gets. That as you begin to unlock and, and to learn and, and to, to read what God has for you, you begin having a clearer understanding of, of who he is and what he's leading you towards. So write this down. It's only when we take the entirety of the scripture that we start to get a more clear and accurate picture of who Jesus is. Um, so the remainder of these 21 days of prayer and fasting, I just, I just encourage you to dig that well just a little bit deeper, whatever that means for you. Um, if that's just starting off with a consistent time of reading where, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mark out 10 minutes of my day and just start this, that's great. Or, or maybe God has been revealing a thread to you in the biblical story and, and he's just saying, hey, I want you to dig this out and I want you to, to read and to really focus on what I'm trying to show you here. Whatever that may be, put in the work of reading the scriptures, make the time, not just because we're trying to check off a box or to be a good Christian, but because we want to experience and know the lover of our soul. We want to know who Jesus is. Give me Jesus. Thank you.